following podcast is not meant for children or for liberals, even though that's pretty much the same thing these days, but that's what we're here for. Somebody's got to keep these brats in line. Anyway, you've been warned. It's the right opinion. These days, our media's either incompetent or malevolent. They don't believe in heaven, but they acting like they haven't sent. Knowing the truth is way harder than telling it. We gotta work harder, gotta be more intelligent. Sometimes we just gotta grab a mic and start yelling shit. We're living in times when it's hard to stay relevant. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Boom. Welcome back, everybody, to The Right Opinion. Welcome back to me. It's been fucking way too long since I've sat in front of this microphone and chit-chatted with my favorite people, and that, of course, would be you, the listeners and subscribers to The Right Opinion Podcast. All right, I'm kidding. I actually was going like I was doing a ranking this weekend uh, as far as my favorite people. I should have probably kept this to myself because I'm sure I pissed a few people off, but I was with my, uh, my seven favorite people on Father's Day this year, obviously my daughter, my parents. My girlfriend, her daughter, my sister, her boyfriend. Uh, I think that rounds out to seven plus me is eight. That's everybody. Literally, if if those were the only seven people I ever could see ever again, I'd be fine with that. Um, but nevertheless, no. You guys are right behind there. Hey, listen. As I as I told my girlfriend's daughter, who was number seven on the list, I said, "Look, there's like seven billion people in the world. You're number seven, and and you folks, listeners of the Right Opinion podcast." You're number eight, so I appreciate the hell out of all of you, and uh, and as always, I've got lots to talk about, but before I do, let me direct you to where you could find this show. Obviously, you found it, but where you can tell your friends to find this show, most importantly, rightopinionpod.substack.com. You'll get the posts in article form or podcast form or whatever form I feel like putting them up there. I think I could just put pictures and shit up there, too, so maybe I'll just start memeing. Why not? Uh, but all of those things are available at rightopinionpod.substack.com. You can also find The Right Opinion on your podcatcher of choice. Just search The Right Opinion. It'll be the one that's black and white and red all over like The New York Times used to be. And uh, also available on hummingmediagroup.podbean.com and ratsaladreview.com. Shoutouts to Wayne Noon over there and all of the boys over at the Rat Salad Review. But we've got we've got plenty to talk about, as I've already mentioned, so... Let me let me just address a few things. First and foremost, we're going to have three firsts here on the Right Opinion podcast this week. First and foremost is, as you might be able to hear, your boy's having a cocktail. It's been the, I don't think I've ever sat here on air and had a cocktail with you fine folks. So if you're drinking, cheers. If you're driving, pull the fuck over, grab yourself a beer, and enjoy the next hour plus of political commentary. Um, number two first here on the podcast is I'm going to say something positive about masks. Yeah, I'm going to do that just in a second here, but I'm going to tease the third first for the very, very end of the show. I think I might have just made my first substantial impact on my local politics, and uh, and I want to share that story with you guys at the end of the show here. So let's get into the more important stuff, which means the stuff that isn't about me. I'm going to say some nice things about wearing the masks. So, uh, you know, about a few weeks ago, I found myself still in situations where I was forced to wear the mask, right? And uh, New Jersey, it's loosened up a fair amount here. You know, we've got this whole, you don't have to wear the masks if you're vaccinated, yada, yada, yada situation. But it's all pretty much being done 
on the honor system and the people that don't trust the honor system are still asking you to put masks on when you go into their stores. Now, I'm keeping a mental checklist of all the places that are forcing me to put a mask on to walk inside and grab my to-go order and walk back out, basically unimpeding anybody else. But uh, nevertheless, uh, I'm supposed to, to put a mask on. Well, next time I go to order food or whatever that may be, guess what? You're no longer near the top of the list. I will find an establishment that is not in any way, shape, or form still holding on to this COVIDiacy, if you will. But, um, I, you know, the few instances that I do find myself having to wear it, it was largely at work. Um, and, and I think technically I'm supposed to still be wearing one because I'm not vaccinated, as you all well know. But uh, no one's really said anything. It's been over a week since I've worn one. I don't even bring one anymore. Uh, they do provide them at the office if I absolutely needed one. So that's part of that. But, um, you know, while I still hate wearing the mask with a fiery burning passion, make absolutely no mistake about that. Considering the other option, you know, I feel sort of a weird sense of pride wearing it now. And, I, and I'm by no means telling you that you should be attached to your mask and all that sort of stuff. I'm just saying, you know, if there's a silver lining to all of this, again, I hate wearing it. Absolutely despise wearing it. I, and every time I hear mask, like I just get fucking cringy about the whole thing because it's just, as we all know, it's all just been theater as Fauci essentially claimed, you know, as essentially confirmed for us, I believe just before I did my last episode, and I think I talked about that already, but yeah, I'm unvaccinated, and yeah, I'm supposed to be wearing a mask when I walk into places, even though I know no one's going to check, but why is this new sense of pride kind of falling over me? Well, I mean, number one, I could take the mask off. You can't take your vaccine out of your bloodstream, so, you know, I have the ability to get rid of the mask when this is all over yours is permanently embedded in your in your you know in your basically in your dna if you got the if you got the uh the the pfizer or the moderna ones it's mrna which is messenger proteins and blah 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 but it's basically rewriting how your body functions and a lot of you if you're in the same general demographics as i am probably didn't need it you took unknown risk to mitigate minimal risk that's not great as far as risk assessment goes. And, you know, for those of you who know, I'm, I'm in insurance. So I know a little bit about kind of actuarial, you know, logistics and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, if you're if you are thinking to yourself, I have high risk of this. If you are obese, if you are old, if you are uh, some sort of autoimmune or pre-existing condition, you know, whatever the case may be, you have those things. Fair enough. Go get the vaccine. Like no, you know, for you, it might be worth the risk. But for the rest of us who have about a lightning strikes chance of, of dying from COVID, yeah, it probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me to get it. And so when I'm walking around my office a few weeks back when I was still wearing the mask all the time, you know, people giving you the eye, they know I'm not vaccinated. And they think I'm the idiot. Well, once again, I can leave the office. I could take my mask off. Yours has been injected directly into your bloodstream. Congratulations. You think I'm the idiot? I think I'm okay with that. I'm also sort of proud of myself on a fundamental level that I would rather be mildly inconvenienced than potentially poisoned. I mean, really, at the end of the day, like I said before, we're talking about very, very little risk. And at the end of the day, with the vaccine, it's completely unknown risk, particularly when it comes to long-term effects. There's a recent study that was showing that men, young, healthy men in their 20s and 30s, which again is a demographic I fall into, these guys were getting heart inflammation 
from some of these vaccines. They were perfectly healthy before, and now they got all this fucking pus and inflammation around their heart. Yeah, sorry, hard pass. Now, obviously, I'm not the pinnacle of health. You know, I smoke them literally drinking at the moment. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, there's things that I am willing to do to mitigate my own health and injecting a ridiculously experimental substance into my bloodstream. Not on that list. I'll, you know, eat a burger without bread once in a while. I'll go for a walk. I'll sit outside in the sun, get some vitamin D. I'll make a, var- a variety of choices that, you know, will ultimately lead to my long-term health. But yeah, I cut a few corners and yeah, I'm a bit of a hypocrite on some fronts. I think we all are, and to pretend that we're not makes us even bigger hypocrites. So when it comes down to it, if this is the way it's going to be and there's going to be places that are going to force me to wear a mask, I'm going to stop patronizing those places. And if eventually it gets to the point to where we have to put them all on again, fine. I will be the last man on earth wearing a mask if that's what it comes to. Because as I've said in earlier shows, but I'll repeat again for maybe some of the new listeners... I'm not getting vaccinated, and if they fucking mandate this thing, I'm really fucking not getting vaccinated, okay? That, that, is, that is pretty much where my stance is on all of this. And at the end of the day, you know, I, I feel, uh, again, a little bit of sense of pride, the fact that I'm not one of the sheep, right? Yes, I'm a sheep and the fact that I'm wearing a stupid mask, but again, I'm in a business or at my place of employment, whatever. There's rules there. They're not being laid down by the government. You got to follow them to some extent. I, you know, I I obviously think that businesses should have certain domain over their place of business. And so it would be rather hypocritical of me to go marching into work and be like, you guys can't do this. It's like, no, I'll do what you guys tell me to do. You pay me. It ain't going the other way around. Fair enough. But I'm not, you know, I'm not the sheep that's not only vaccinated and wearing a mask in some cases, but I'm not the guy who got vaccinated to protect myself from a disease that, again, has an extraordinarily low probability of ever actually, you know, killing me or even hospitalizing me. And, uh, and you know, these idiots are looking at me like, you're not vaccinated. Why aren't you wearing a mask? Dude, you got vaccinated. Why are you worried about my mask status? You know, at the end of the day, it is all rather silly. And uh, if I was to decide on the, you know, if I was to pick a side, which I obviously have, between the idiots that are getting vaccines for little to no reason or are so are still skeptical of the efficacy of the vaccine after injecting it into their body you know like i mean you drive a car might maybe might be a piece of shit yeah it might drive you off the road you still have like one hand on the wheel almost literally you get a bad vaccine ain't not a whole fuck ton you could do about that and there are obviously you know not a lot of reports of really terrible side effects but there have been enough to where I'm weighing the options. I'd almost rather get COVID than get even some of the mildest of the side effects that I've heard about. So I'm rolling the dice. I'm I'm pretty sure I'm going to be just fine. And cheers to all of my fellow control group people. No one cared who I was till I put on the mask. But meanwhile, for places that I don't have to wear the mask because no one's bothering to ask me whether or not I'm vaccinated, I'm totally wearing my MAGA hat. Because then everybody there knows I'm definitely not vaccinated and there's absolutely nothing that they could do about it. And while I'm still on the COVID topic, let's move on over to the lab leak theory and Jon Stewart's complete and utter evisceration of the skeptics on, of all places, the Stephen Colbert show. 
I know. This is very, very weird. It almost kind of does feel like a PSYOP in a certain roundabout way, but let, let me play this clip for you, and I'm probably going to have to kind of stop and start and maybe even talk over it a little bit because this video will ultimately go up on YouTube, and I don't want to get a copyright strike because it's just a pain in the ass. Um, but nevertheless, um, I will you know add some commentary to it, and YouTube can go, as always, fuck itself. But Jon Stewart went on to Stephen Colbert and uh, was talking about, well, COVID, but he had a very specific monologue in mind, and it had to do with the lab leak theory. So listen to what Jon Stewart says here, yes, but also listen to how committed Stephen Colbert is to the lie. It's it's frightening. Here we go. I, I, and I honestly mean this. I think we owe a great debt of gratitude to science. Science has in many ways helped ease uh, the suffering of this pandemic, uh, which was m more than likely caused by science. <laughs> so, and that's kind of. Hold on a second. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. So, so what's happening right there, you guys can't see it, is Colbert's taking a sip out of his mug like he's about to like do a fake spit take on the Jon Stewart. But more importantly than what he's physically doing, what is he doing? He's stopping Jon Stewart. Jon Stewart's about to go on a tirade about the lab leak. Yes, he probably knows this. But even if he knows this in advance and he knows Jon's going to do this, he can under no circumstances look like he's complicit in it, right? Because he's Joe Science, right? He's he's Steven Science. He's the guy that goes on TV and he calls Trump a cockholster and he uh and then he and he swears at the, you know, the the Bible of Fauci and all this nonsense. But he's like, you know, he's Jimmy Kimmel, he's he's all of these idiots that that have late night shows that used to be comedians and now they think they're political pundits. And weirdly enough, our political pundits also think that they're comedians. I'll raise my hand on that, what guilty is charged. But not, nevertheless, uh, Jon Stewart is about to go on this tirade about the lap leak, and Stephen Colbert just needs to make it perfectly clear to everybody. And for the record, his audience knows, because that was that double laugh, right? The first laugh was, was Stewart, what he said. And then the second laugh is the whole audience realizing, like, oh, Stephen's not going to like this. So here we go back into the clip. I'll, it's I'll, coffee. I wouldn't I'm, do that. To you. I wouldn't for, do that to you. I'm so what, what do you? Takes, but what do you? What, 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 what do you mean by? Do you mean like oh, so this was, perhaps was, there's, there's a chance that this was created in a lab? There's an investigation. A chance? Well, but I, so, I, 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 oh my if God. there was evidence, I'd love to hear it. I just don't a, know. If there was evidence, he'd love to hear it. He just doesn't know. Okay. Well, I think let, let's just take a step back here, right? There's two options. This came from nature, or this came from a lab. Where's the evidence that came from nature? I'll wait. Oh, that's right. You don't have any of that either? Okay, so you have formed an opinion based on no evidence, but when somebody else presents you with another opinion, that again, that granted doesn't have empirical evidence, but certainly Occam's razor is pointing us in the direction of, as John Stewart's about to explain, the Wuhan Coronavirus Laboratory being responsible for, wait for it, the Wuhan coronavirus. I know. People like Stephen Colbert don't get it, but God damn it, the subscribers to the right opinion sure do, I know. So I'm going to stop beating you over the head with logic and reason and basic shit you already know. Let's get back into the hilarity of this exchange. Novel respiratory coronavirus overtaking Wuhan, China. What do we do? Oh, you know who we could ask? The 
Wuhan novel respiratory coronavirus lab. The disease is the same name as the lab. That's just, that's just a little too weird, don't you think? And then they I, ask I, those scientists, they're like, how did this, so wait a minute, you work at the Wuhan respiratory coronavirus lab. How did this happen? And they're like, mm, a pangolin kissed a turtle. <laughs> and you're like, no, I, you, you, the wait, name wait, of your lab, wait. if you look at the name. And listen to Colbert. Colbert, wait, wait. Okay, this is making too much sense. I can't allow this on my airwaves. How dare you, John Stewart? Okay, again, this is probably unnecessary commentary, but again, I do have to hop in and provide some commentary. Otherwise, copyright strikes. Isn't the internet wonderful? I was told this was going to be the Wild West. So much for that shit. I'd rather deal with the FCC. Let's go. Look at the name. Can I? Let me see your business card. Show me your business card. Oh, I work at the coronavirus lab in Wuhan. Oh, because there's a coronavirus loose in Wuhan. How did that happen? Maybe a bat flew into the cloaca of a turkey and then it sneezed into my chili and now we all have coronavirus. Like, I don't even know okay, what a cloaca wait, okay, is. Wait, 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 what about this? What about this? Listen to this. Wait a second. All right. John. Oh my God. Oh my God. There's been an outbreak of chocolatey goodness <laughs> near Hershey, Pennsylvania. What do you think happened? Like, oh, I don't know. Maybe a steam shovel made it with a cocoa bean. Or it's the <laughs> chocolate factory. Yes. Maybe that's it. That could be. It, it could be, he says. It could, could be. be. It could be, Stephen. Oh, well, feel free to enlighten us, sir. That that could By be. The way, Let me... I gave them all tuberculosis. Just yes. <laughs> that could that could very well be. And Anthony Fauci and Francis Collins at NIH have said like it should definitely be investigated. Don't stop yeah, now with they the have. Logic and people and things. Yep. The no, name I... of the disease. Wait a second. Wait a second. The building. Wait a second. But I, I, it could be possible. You could be right. It could be possible could be. that I mean, they have the lab in Wuhan to study the novel coronavirus diseases because in Wuhan, there are a lot of novel coronavirus diseases because of the bat population sure, no. there. Okay. All right. That makes sense, sort of, if you want to assume that China's always doing the right thing for the right reasons. <laughs> This cocktail's catching up with me early. Anyway, also, let's let's point out that even if you believe the original story about the zoonotic origin and bat soup or a pangolin kissing a turtle or whatever the fuck that was, even then, the reason that the lab leak theory became more prevalent is because the bats that they say developed this coronavirus live hundreds of miles away from Wuhan. Why don't they have the lab there, Stephen? You know... Also, another great idea would be maybe to not have a novel coronavirus gain-of-function research facility in the middle of a population center. It would make more sense for it to be out by the cave where the bats live, but it's not there because China's a fucked-up place, Stephen, and you're out here just doing their fucking business for them. Congratulations, you goddamn communist. I understand. It's, it's like the saying, it's like, a wait a local second. specialty, and it's the only place to find bats. You won't find bats Nobody's anywhere like else. Saying oh, why? wait, Austin, Texas has thousands of them that fly out of a cave every night, every night at dusk. Is there a, a coronavirus, an Austin coronavirus? No, it doesn't seem to be an Austin coronavirus. All right, if this is a PSYOP, 
we will have an Austin coronavirus within the next couple of years. That'll start the next pandemic. America started it. Oh, they were so racist to the China. Oh, they can get the China narrative, the race narrative, the pandemic narrative, the to science narrative. Oh, watch out for the Austin coronavirus. If again, if this whole thing is a psyop and John Stewart's hit on all this sort of stuff, which I, I wouldn't put it past him, let's face it. But uh, <laughs> I mean, he's on the Colbert show to begin with. I know they're friends, neither here nor there. Austin coronavirus, people, that's the deep state's next move. Let's keep an eye out for that one. I'm only half kidding. Let's get back into the clip. The only coronavirus we have is in Wuhan. Yes. Where they have a lab called, what's the lab called again, Stephen? The Wuhan Novel Coronavirus Lab. I believe that's Uh the case. And how long have you worked for Senator Ron Johnson? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something about Ron Johnson. And there you have it. It's a conspiracy theory, and Ron Johnson's a conspiracy theorist because Ron Johnson's a Republican. You remember Ron Johnson was one of the people that said that the FBI spied on Trump. That wasn't, oh, wait, that was true, but we we don't pretend, we don't acknowledge that, so we're just going to keep pushing past it because I'm Stephen Colbert, and again, not only do I think I'm a political commentator, but he thinks he's like one of the, he, he thinks he's Rachel Maddow, which essentially he is. He's Rachel Maddow and Lazy Drag. And, um... So, or vice versa, for that matter. I don't know which one is the original Rachel Maddow. It's like the twins from, um, well, what's that show? Invincible. If you guys aren't watching it on Amazon Prime, well, don't watch it on Amazon Prime. Pirate it. But it's a really good show. You should check it out. Um, So, uh, there was more to this. Oh, Ron Johnson. Yes. See, Jon Stewart makes sense on air, makes Stephen Colbert look like an idiot, and everyone who agrees with Stephen Colbert, which, let's face it, if you ever agreed with Stephen Colbert, you're an idiot. Um, and now, Jon Stewart, stomping all over your entire worldview, it's got to be a conspiracy. Can't possibly be real. Obviously not. No, he's got to be working for Ron Johnson, who's obviously working for the Russians, who's obviously working for Trump and Trump cockholster. Something lo- something along those lines. I imagine that's the, uh, the, you know, the, the conspiracy board in Stephen Colbert's head as he's trying to find Pepe Sylvia and all that sort of stuff. So it's got to be a conspiracy. As per the usual mainstream narrative, nothing to see here, folks, not even from Jon Stewart, who, you know, was a, an idol of the left and, and really a lot of people. I mean, I unfortunately got a lot of my news from Jon Stewart when I was younger because he made it interesting and he was, you know, not obviously always telling straight news. In fact, more times than not, he wasn't talking straight news. But when things you know, things got serious. John Stewart got a little bit more serious. And when things needed to be touched on, John Stewart touched on them. And Stephen Colbert was doing the same sort of thing on the opposite side of the aisle, even though he was obviously pretending the whole time. But yeah, unfortunately, younger people will gravitate to those types of outlets to get their news because let's face it, the news isn't always exciting. And those guys made it exciting. I love John Stewart when I was younger. And I, I, I mean, to this day, he's still obviously the best to ever do it. In that particular genre, the John Olivers, the Stephen Colbert's, the Larry Wilmore's, the Trevor Noah's, they all tried to do what he did, and none of them even got freaking close. Mo Rocca was really good, too. I like Mo Rocca, but apparently Comedy Central didn't because they got rid of him, and he was just, like, banished to the Food Network or some fucking shit. I don't know. I liked Mo Rocca. Mo Rocca was cool. But, um, yeah, John Stewart was great at all this, and he's a revered voice. He's also, you know, when Jon Stewart goes to Congress and pounds his chest for the 9-11 families, everyone fucking loves Jon Stewart. So shouldn't that same guy be given that same level of respect when he once again sticks his neck out for what's what's true and what's right 
And in this case, he's not even doing it on a popular issue. There's still plenty of idiots out there that, like Stephen Colbert, believe in the zoonotic origin of this virus. And he, he gave all of the, you know, not the evidence, obviously. Once again, it's not empirical evidence. It's not hard evidence. But there's two options here. One of them, there seems to be a lot of things, you know, that, that weigh towards that being the case in the lab leak theory. The other one's sort of, yeah, maybe it happened in nature. We don't really have any evidence of it. We don't have any kind of predecessor viruses that could show that it evolved from this virus to this virus. And we don't really have samples from bats that have this specific virus because if it occurred naturally, we should we should be able to find a bat that has SARS-CoV-2 so that we can look at it and go, oh, wow, this is exactly like the But that doesn't exist in nature, as we're going to talk about a little bit later on in the program. But that's it for, for COVID for now. We'll touch back on it a little bit when I start talking about all of the things that Trump has been proven right about since he left office uh, and left the public eye largely. And uh, man, I miss the Donald. I, I know it sounds like so weird, like I'm a fanboy, I'm a cultist, whatever. There's plenty of people out there will tell you that anyway, so might as well fucking lean into it. I miss having him on Twitter. I miss having him in the public eye. I miss having him shitting on reporters. I miss having him just take a steaming dump on Jim Acosta in the press room every day. Oh, it was just, it was wonderful. These people needed to be put in their place, and Donald Trump was very good at doing that. So I miss that to a certain extent. It would be nice if we had more people like him out there to do these sorts of things, but unfortunately, they never get the kind of airtime that Donald Trump did because, well, let's face it, none of them are president of the United States. So that's about it for the COVID for now. Let's move on to the other big hot button issue, baby. Juneteenth. It's officially a thing. But what is it exactly? Well, let me give you a little bit of history lesson, folks. Everybody gather around. Uh, well, Juneteenth is a regional holiday, native mostly to Texas, but also celebrated across the South by black families and obviously people of color. Because on June 19th, 1865, the Emancipation Proclamation was finally read for the first time in the state of Texas. Now, it was not obviously the first time that the Emancipation Proclamation had been read, and it wasn't even the last time. It didn't free the last of the slaves. It didn't free the first of the slaves, and the actual end of slavery can be probably more specifically notated by other things like the founding of the Republican Party, the Civil War, the Emancipation Proclamation itself, and ultimately the passing of the 13th Amendment of the Constitution. But no, none of those things were commemorated. We're going with Juneteenth, which once again is a is a very specific regional holiday at best. To make it a federal holiday is a little dumbfounding to me that they chose that date, and specifically they chose a date in the middle of Pride Month. I wonder how the alphabet people feel about having to lose one of their 30 days that they get. Two more than the blacks get in general. Ooh, I said the blacks. I must be racist. Anyway, so furthermore, <laughs> Juneteenth isn't exactly telling the world what the Democrats think it is. Like, the Democrats think it's this message we're going to commemorate, Ju you know, June 19th, and we're going to make sure that everybody knows that America had this horrible racist past and yeah, I mean, it's sort of a weird thing to basically live in a world and live with a worldview where everything in America is evil, largely because of the evil racist Republicans, and then take Juneteenth, a holiday that actually represents the fact that Republicans, under the leadership of the first Republican president, freed the slaves from the evil racist Democrats who were willing to fight and die to keep their slaves amongst some other 
states' rights. So weirdly enough, you can extrapolate from these basic facts that I just stated that Juneteenth denotes the fact that the Democrats were able to let go of their firm belief in states' rights but still can't seem to let go of their racism. They essentially have memorialized an annual reminder that America has been tremendous and frankly unparalleled in their advancements in terms of race relations in the less than 250 years that we've existed as a country. And we have Republicans to thank for all of it. In fairness, uh, it was back when the Republicans still had testicles, uh, but those were still Republicans nonetheless. So I think the holiday in general is kind of dumb. I did think it was an all right idea when Trump wanted to do it because I think we all know it was going to you know, be just something he can use as a as a way to stick it to the you're a racist crowd and all that sort of stuff. And I, I mean, I wasn't sincere and I and but I did think it was politically smart. I can't see how this is a great move for Democrats politically, though. Again, we're just reminding everybody that Republicans freed slaves from Democrats. I know facts don't actually matter anymore, but uh, eventually I feel like that'll seep through to people because uh, no matter how hard they try to push the critical race theory, they can't ever erase the fact that the Democrats are the party of slavery, the party of the Klan, the party of Jim Crow, and the party that fought against civil rights. So, um, yeah, good good, good on you, Democrats, I guess. I mean, I think it's personally great that we get an opportunity every year to remind everybody what shitbags you all are. By the way, you happen to have a black president who was in office for a full two years with Congress that, uh, you know, with, a, with a, a friendly Congress. They could have made the move to make Juneteenth a holiday at any point, but clearly it wasn't all that big of a deal back then, mostly because no one knew what Juneteenth was, because Juneteenth was yet another one of these obscure things that popped up as a way to club Republicans and Trump supporters over the head with their supposed racism. But hey, it's a federal holiday now, so I'll be working one less day while the rest of you sorry saps that are unemployed get no benefit out of it whatsoever. Um, Now, I do think that we should probably have a day to commemorate the end of slavery in America. Obviously, it was a big deal. It was a great thing. It was when we finally started to take some serious steps towards reaching the goals that were laid out by our founding fathers. And all men are created equal and all that good stuff. I mean, uh, it's it's obvious that we weren't living up to that while slavery existed, right? And And it's quite obviously that we still weren't living up to it after slavery ended, maybe up till 1965 and the Civil Rights Act. At that point, I think it's safe to say that at least, you know, legally speaking, we were at least making an attempt to live up to the ideals of the founders. And yeah, I know the founders, they were slaveholders and all this sort of stuff. They still put words down that they ultimately were hoping people would carry out over time. The reason that that the colonies were okay with slavery early on is because they're trying to unite 13 colonies against the most powerful empire, one of the most powerful empires to have ever existed at that point. They needed all hands on deck, and if you had to concede a few things here or there that you thought you might be able to negotiate later down the road, which we did about a hundred year, less than 100 years after the founding of the country, we got rid of slavery. I know it sounds like a long time, but in the, the, the grand scheme of time itself, it's a blip, it's a snap, it's nothing. We, we as a country have advanced so much more in the 240-something years that we've been around than countries that have been around thousands of years. There's still actual slavery that exists in the world that people seem to forget about because they're so focused on the slavery that ended in America in 1865. Bizarre. But, like I said, I do think we should commemorate the end of slavery. 
Um, and here's a few dates that I think we can use to do it. Maybe this first one's not the best because it just so happened to be New Year's Day. But on January 1st, 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation was issued. On January 31st, 1865, the 13th Amendment was passed by Congress, and then on December 6th, 1865, the 13th Amendment was ultimately ratified as part of the Constitution, and on December 18th, 1865, Secretary of State Seward um, was made an announcement basically to the world that slavery had officially been abolished in America any of those dates would be fine with me because those are dates that actually comport with the reality that slavery was ended. It's not just a regional thing. It's a specific thing that worked on a federal level, hence federal holiday. I'm cool with all of that. Let's make, you know, December 18th or December 6th or whatever it is, um, Emancipation Day or whatever we want to call it. And I, I think it's a great thing that we celebrate that because it's a great moment in American history. Yes, America has a dark past, like every other fucking country that's ever existed. We got over it faster than virtually every other country that's ever existed. And, by the way, those same slaves, their ancestors today live at the best possible, they live in the best country that could conceivably live in. There's no more, there's no higher concentration of black wealth anywhere else in the world than the United States of America. So yeah, it's a really shitty situation that today's black people had to endure if in fact their family was here and a part of the slave trade. It's unfortunate, it's horrible, it's horrific. I can't even come up with enough words, I think we all fucking know. Mostly because we were taught this in schools, despite the fact that the CRT people seem to think that criti banning critical race theory means banning the teaching of slavery, which is weird because we spent an exorbitant amount of time on slavery when I was a kid, in retrospect, probably too much. But nevertheless, I think we should commemorate the end of slavery. I think it's a great thing that Republicans took slavery away from the evil, racist Southern Democrats, and that America is a better place today, obviously, as a result of not only that, but the ending of Jim Crow and the, and the, the Civil Rights Act. And ultimately, as much as I thought he was a dickhead, President Barack Obama being elected was a huge deal, and it should have been like the final nail in the coffin of the America's racist narrative, and then when he got reelected, it should have been like, okay, we're really not racist anymore. The second that motherfucker left office, everybody was racist again. Why is that? Oh, and by the way, if you disagreed with anything he said while he was in office, you were also racist. It couldn't be that you took the man on the merits of what he was saying and disagreed with them. No, no. You had to look at the man and go, oh, he's... He's, he's one of them colored people. Well, by golly, I can't have him be our president. I disagree with everything he has to say, even though it's a probably a great idea. Like, no, no one, no one's like looking at Obama going, man, this guy's really smart. It's too bad he's black. Like, no, no one, no one thought that he was just a fucking communist. And most of us saw through it. The rest of you were so racist that you were willing to judge him based on the color of his skin. And because it wasn't white, you thought he must by default be wonderful. Welcome to Critical Race Theory, everybody. Um, so, yeah, and by the way, Juneteenth, how did people decide to celebrate Juneteenth? Well, they went online and they started to complain that companies were doing Juneteenth sales as if that wasn't perfectly fucking predictable. And then they went to Long Branch, New Jersey, and they trashed most of the center of the town. And they decided to twerk on an ambulance in Oakland, California, 
Why were they twerking on an ambulance? Well, because someone got shot at the mostly peaceful celebration, and the ambulance happened to park in prime twerking territory, obviously. So fuck it, let's shake our asses on the vehicle here to save the life of a murder victim. Who's probably black, by the way. I guess his life didn't matter. Meanwhile, it has been a bad month to be an anti-Trump narrative, am I right? Since I last talked to you, my God, how many of these fucking anti-Trump narratives have just taken a beating? Oh, it's been so fun to watch. Partially, it's been so fun to watch that that's part of the reason why I haven't been able to do more shows for you guys is that every time I sit down and go, okay, I got to do a show about this, boom, another one hits. So luckily, the bad orange man gave us a lovely list to refer to, and here it is from the email blast from the Save America Pack. Uh, And I just got this, I think, last week, a statement by Donald J. Trump, 45th president of the United States of America. Have you noticed that they are all now admitting I was right about everything they lied about before the election? Hydroxychloroquine works. The virus came from China. Hunter's laptop is real. The Lafayette Square was not cleared for a photo op. The Russian bounty story was fake. We did produce vaccines before the end of 2020 in record time. They said we wouldn't. We did it. Blue state lockdowns didn't work. Schools should be open. Critical race theory is a disaster for our schools and our country. And our southern border security program was unprecedentedly successful. Believe me. All right, I threw in the believe me at the end. But obviously, the rest of that is all pretty much true. I'm going to break them down one by one. Let's get into it. All right, hydroxychloroquine. So a Hackensack Meridian Health study back in January showed that patients were far less likely to be hospitalized if they took hydroxychloroquine uh, with azithromycin, I believe, is the zinc-esque drug that accompanies it that that has been touted even by Trump in the early days of this pandemic as a as a cure in some respects. It's certainly not that, uh, but it has definitely been a very effective treatment. Later in June of 2021, like this month, another study showed that for patients on a ventilator, the HCQ and and azithromycin treatment, uh, which which I believe had to be weight-based, so it's a, you know, they give you a certain amount based on your particular size, can increase survivability rates of COVID-19 by more than 100%. We were told this drug will kill you. We were told Trump was a madman for taking it himself, and it turns out the science suggests that this drug is effective. Uh, Hydroxychloroquine in particular is basically an anti-inflammatory generally used for malaria, but it has worked in in that basically you get a lot of inflammation around your lungs and around your heart potentially from this virus. And hydroxychloroquine, acting as an inflammatory, manages to mitigate some of that. Again, we were told this is absolutely wrong and Trump is a madman, and yet, weirdly enough, He turned out to be right. Uh, The virus came from a China lab. And uh, yeah, I I mean, we just heard the Jon Stewart thing. But let's get into a little bit more empirical data, right? I said before it wasn't empirical. Well, here is a little bit of that. From the Wall Street Journal, the article entitled, The Science Suggests a Wuhan Lab Leak. And I'm going to read directly from the article here. In fact, in the entire class of coronaviruses that includes COV-2, SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19, or coronavirus as we know it, the CGG-CGG combination, this is a combination of, of genetic code basically in the virus, has never been found naturally. 
That means the common method of viruses picking up new skills, called recombination, cannot operate here. A virus simply cannot pick up a sequence from another virus if that sequence isn't pre present in any other viruses. Although the double CGG is suppressed naturally, the opposite is true in laboratory work. The insertion sequence of choice is the double CGG sequence. It's because it is readily available and convenient and scientists have a great deal of experience inserting it. An additional advantage of the double CGG sequence compared with the other 35 possible choices, it creates a useful beacon that permits the scientists to track the insertion in the laboratory. Weird. Now the damning fact, it was this exact sequence that appears in Cove 2. Proponents of zoonotic origin must explain why the novel coronavirus, when it mutated or recombined, happened to pick its least favorite combination, the double CGG. Why did it replicate the choice the lab's gain-of-function researchers would have made? Yes, it could have happened randomly, through mutations, but do you believe that? At the minimum, this fact, the coronavirus, with all its random possibilities, took the rare and unnatural combination used by human researchers, implies that the leading theory for the origin of the coronavirus must be a laboratory escape. That's the end of the quote there. I don't have much more to add. I mean, basically, they people who have looked at this virus and have looked at the genetic code of the virus have determined that there is a sequence there that has never been discovered in a virus in nature. Henceforth, it could not be the result of some sort of recombination. It would be highly unlikely that it would have mutated to generate a genetic sequence that basically has never appeared in a natural virus and is suppressed naturally, but is prevalent in laboratory gain-of-function research. It's really weird. It's, it's got it's to be a coincidence, guys. Nothing to see here. Hunter's laptop was real. There's still no no one actually denying this fact besides the media, obviously. Even Hunter said in a nationally televised interview, yeah, it could be mine. So it is yours, Hunter. We got it. Go smoke some Parmesan and oogle your nieces or whatever you do when you're not being a bag boy for your scumbag father. Moving on to the next point, the Lafayette Square was not cleared for a photo op. So, all right, so you guys may remember the St. John's Church burned down across from the White House. Trump marched over with a Bible. He took a photo. Oh, my God, there was people tear gas, blah, blah, blah. Well, it turns out the Lafayette Square was not cleared for a photo op. This was obviously confirmed recently by an inspector general report, which stated that the U.S. Park Police were the ones who made the decision to clear the park much earlier in the day so that contractors could come and install anti-scale fencing around the perimeter of the White House to prevent the, quote, mostly peaceful protesters, unquote, from climbing the fence around the White House. Furthermore, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser recently argued in court that the protesters were legitimately tear-gassed by D.C. Metro Police. It wasn't the Park Police. It wasn't the Secret Service. It was the D.C. Metro Police. This is obviously, uh, this, this argument came up, rather, in a lawsuit that was presented by Black Lives Matter against the city of the District of Columbia that, you know, she, Muriel Bowser, the mayor, is trying to get dismissed. Wow. So nothing we were told about this entire incident was true. The mostly peaceful crowd was so bad they burned down a church and were worthy of installing anti-scale fence around the White House. Trump didn't clear the park for a photo op, and Trump didn't order the clearing of the park at all. 
Muriel, uh, Mar- Mayor Muriel Bowser was one of the loudest voices against the use of tear gas, which just so happened to be deployed by her own police force. Wow. Um, gaslight much? Yeah, pretty much. Um, and I've got an article from The Hill from Jonathan Turley in here talking about that lawsuit in a little bit more detail. I'll leave it in the show notes for you fine folks. Should you be interested or at a bare minimum, should you like to show your friends that they're idiots? Moving on to Russian Bounty Gate. Yeah, it turns out this was fake, too. Uh, it turns out the entire story was fake. Uh, but it was, you know, super easy to believe because obviously Donald Trump is in bed with the Russians. So why wouldn't he let them kill our soldiers or something like that? Um, this apparently, this whole story came from one detainee in Afghanistan who was likely aware of the Russian collusion narrative and all of the anti-Trump nonsense and, you know, going on in our media and here in the States. And he gave the people that were interrogating him exactly what they wanted, evidence or at least testimony to the fact that Donald Trump was letting the Russians pay the Taliban to kill American soldiers or something along those lines. And even though that information is still has now come out, and it's quite obvious that the, yeah, the guy didn't provide any corroborating evidence whatsoever. He just said it happened because he probably knew the idiots that were asking him wanted to hear such a thing. And despite the fact we know all of this now, our intelligence community still is giving it a, quote, low to moderate confidence based on uh, a recent statement from Jen Saki, a.k.a. Ginger Goebbels. Um, yeah, this whole thing was clearly nonsense from the get-go. Even if you believe the story, it said it was going back to like 2014, which means it was happening under Obama and Biden, and no one seemed to think that that was bad. You know, Obama with the old, I'll have more flexibility after the election, Russians, and then, uh, and then you know, supposedly the Russians were simultaneously not only hacking our elections and all that sort of stuff, but having our soldiers killed overseas. This is all totally believable how about no scott okay and to get back to trump's list here um last i checked we did in fact get a vaccine done before the end of the year and it was in fact record time as a matter of fact they trumped the record time by about three plus years we probably actually had the virus done sooner but as we all remember There was that whole thing where Pfizer, they were on the brink of finalizing their testing for the vaccine, but they didn't make a big announcement about it until about a week after the election. Had they made that announcement a week earlier, maybe we have a different outcome, but that assumes that the Democrats wouldn't have cheated in that timeline, and I'm not super confident about that. Moving on, I'm going to add, well, I'm going to add a few to the end here, but I'm going to start condensing some of the ones on Trump's list here. So it is pretty clear that the blue state lockdowns didn't work and the school closings were a disaster. Fact check, true and true. Just look at all of the places that leaned into these authoritarian acts the hardest. New York, California, New Jersey, Michigan, Pennsylvania, all led by the bluest of blue governors and all have seen tremendous death because of their horrible, horrible policies that unnecessarily killed a lot of people. They are places that are obviously not not only haven't learned their lesson, but they're doubling down. These places are still compounding the problem by continuing to pay people to stay home instead of going to work, which means that many of the businesses that somehow by some miracle survived the pandemic and the Black Lives Matter riots of the summer are still having a hard time finding labor, which means that this could eventually put them under if this problem isn't resolved soon. But Democrats continue to believe that you could pay people to stay home and that's not going to stifle the economy at all. Joe Biden is determined 
to have a more stifled economic recovery than Barack Obama. They're playing economic golf out here. They're trying to have the lowest conceivable score. And and let's face it, Obama basically hit a hole in one. So it's going to be interesting to see how Sleepy Joe tries to top that one. Meanwhile, getting back to the schools, the kids are well behind where they should be, and that's according to our already trash education system in this country. Plus, we've now all got them conditioned to being afraid of a virus that has about the same likelihood of killing them as a wild tiger attack. But yeah, let's keep them all under masks and inside and just... It's dumb on so many levels. Plus, I, like I, my daughter's 13, so she's a little older and can handle this a little better because you can explain things to her. She can understand it. My girlfriend's daughter's seven. She's in like first grade, second grade. She's you know she's still young. She's still learning social cues based on people's facial reactions and stuff. And guess what? She hasn't been able to see people's fucking faces for for basically over a year now. This is gonna have a ripple effect that stifles already stifled people into and for decades basically we're gonna have an entire generation of people who can't take care of themselves because they're too afraid to leave their houses and guess who will be paying for that if you guess the essential workers who are still not too lazy to get out of the house and not too afraid of a virus to go to work yeah that's us we're going to be paying for everybody else to sit the fuck home thanks to president andrew yang at some point in the near future with the ubi nonsense oh god keep me the fuck away from that timeline please then uh, critical race theory is a disaster for our schools. This is a Trump statement. He's absolutely correct. I'm actually going to get back into this one in a little bit because uh, I'm going to play a nice clip from Ibram X. Kendi, who's uh, desperately trying to get Chuck Schumer to build a house for him. Yeah, I'm calling him retarded. Then from there, we got the border. Uh, his, his border policies were an unprecedented success. Bingo. Yeah, we, we see that now as a lot of them have been reversed. And we see the crisis at the border. Our border czar, Kamala Harris, refuses to even go down there. Why is she refusing to go down there? Probably because she doesn't want pictures taken with more kids in cages than ever before, more people flooding across the border than ever before, and all of them wearing fucking Biden campaign t-shirts. It's probably not a good look for old Kamala, but then again, this is a woman who rose to prominence by blowing a 60-year-old married man. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to say that she's got the ability to feel shame, but hey... I don't know. Who knows at this point? Um, that's the end of Trump's list, but I'm going to add to that a little bit. He was right about the 2020 election. By the way, we're now finding out that we don't have proper chain of custody for 25% of the ballots in Fulton County, Georgia, which would be more than enough to flip the uh, to flip the state back to Trump. What do you think the odds are that that's the only place that that was happening? Keep in mind, if you were awake on election night and stayed up through it, Trump was winning in Georgia and Arizona and North Carolina and Michigan and Pennsylvania all the way up until, boop, everything stopped. Why did everything stop? Could everything have stopped so that they can duplicate what they did in Fulton County, Georgia? I mean, it seems a little bit more likely to me than the fact that Joe Biden got 81 million votes. That seems ridiculous when you think about it. Having said that, there's a lot of idiots out there, so it's really hard to tell, but more importantly than the 25% of the ballots that they don't have chain of custody for, there were multiple batches of mail-in votes that were scanned consecutively with the exact same vote count. This is what we like to call a statistical impossibility. There was the same number of votes of Biden, same number of votes for Trump, and three votes for Joe Jorgensen in all of these batches that were scanned consecutively. Could this be human error? I was told human error isn't a, it couldn't possibly play a role. Could this be fraud? Well, it seems more likely than it's fraud than it is 
the statistical impossibility of three tranches of votes all being the exact same vote count broken up the exact same way between three different candidates and no other candidates. Yeah, it seems like maybe those were the batches that were under the table that were getting run through the machine a few times. No? Doesn't that seem like the most reasonable fucking explanation for why that would be? Nah, couldn't be. Couldn't be. Apparently, also, since Trump left office, uh, voter ID is no longer racist. Even Raphael Warnock from Georgia is now saying that the voter ID isn't that bad of a thing when it was like the most racist thing that's ever existed. Not even a month ago. It was the worst thing ever. It was Jim Crow 2.0 on steroids. But the Democrats are looking to, you know, steal future elections with their Steal Elections Act. I'm sorry, the For the People Act, otherwise known as H.R. 1, now S. 1, as it's being voted in the Senate. It was actually being voted on today, and it was overturned, uh, or at least turned down. It was a 50-50 vote. They didn't have enough to push forward. That's basically all you really need to know. And uh, thank you to Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin for at least stating now that they have no desire to overturn or get rid of the filibuster, which means that this vote for H.R. 1 or S. 1 or the For the People Act or the Stolen Elections Act, whatever you want to refer to it as, it's probably not going anywhere unless they do anything with that filibuster, and we can only hope that doesn't happen. Moving on from there, as the Donald predicted, Joe Biden has just been an unbelievable disaster as was displayed at the G7. So let's go through some of the lowlights. Sleepy Joe repeatedly called Syria Libya in one one speech. He said it like three times in a row where he confused Syria for Libya. I'm sure everyone else in the room was like, what the fuck is he talking about? Not the worst thing in the world, right? That that, I put that one first because that's really not all that bad. Then he forgot that Boris Johnson had introduced the South African president to him basically 30 seconds prior he goes, oh, I'm sorry, I don't know you. And then Boris is looking at him like, dude, I literally just fucking introduced you to <laughs> This is really bad. The entire G7 laughing at the president of the United States. I was told that this was a, a, a horrible embarrassment for the world when it happened to Trump. It was, oh, my God, they're laughing at us. Yeah, what do you think they're doing now? Let, it, let me be clear. I could give a fuck what the G7 countries think about us. They should all aspire to be like us. Some of them wouldn't exist if not for us. France! Um, sorry, got a little something stuck in my throat there. Uh, Macron. Uh, <laughs> let me clear it up. Oh, Macron. Um, but yeah, with the, I mean, come on. Some of these countries, the fact that any of them are judging America, it's ridiculous. It's like an it's like an ant going, look at that boot. That fucking boot is nothing. And then squish. Yeah, it's pretty much where we're at. And then let's get to the Joe Biden clip of all Joe Biden clips. Motherfucker got lost. Like, Somebody put a bell on him, please. Can we, can we, can somebody keep tabs on him? Can we, can we get him a life lock or, you know, what, what is that? That I've fallen and I can't get up. Let's get him one of those so we can at least make sure he's not walking around sniffing, you know, people's children over in the G7. I and mean, this is a real possibility with him. God forbid somebody should be eating corn pops. We can have a fucking international incident on our hands. Maybe we should keep an eye on the old coot who doesn't know where the fuck he is. So much so, well... Here's the clip. How are your meetings going in Cornwall, Mr. President? I beg your pardon? How are your meetings going here in Cornwall? Very well. Come on. Have a nice evening. Have a nice evening. 
<laughs> the President of the United States is a senile sack of shit who doesn't know where the fuck he is. Isn't this wonderful? <laughs> he's got power. He's got control over the most powerful military and nuclear arsenal in the history of the world. <laughs> it's so funny. He doesn't even know where he is, and his wife has to come grab him like he's some fucking H.W. Bush ass grabbing senile old fucking loon. I mean, we're a wheelchair away, basically. I mean, that's where we're at right now. But again, when Trump went over there and they all laughed at him, oh, look at they're laughing at him. Multiple times throughout this trip, people were laughing at him. And that doesn't even, I didn't even get into the Russia stuff. Because I don't have to. Any of you who followed this know that Putin ate this guy's fucking lunch. It's not a good thing. I'm not rooting for Putin. Wow, that rhymes. I'm not rooting for Putin. I'm not trying to say that I think he's a better leader or whatever the fuck. But when you look at it, you've got Joe Biden, who is the most supposed to be the most powerful man in the world. He runs the most powerful military, the most powerful economy, the most powerful country in general, blah, 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 blah. Vladimir Putin has a country with the economy of fucking Delaware, and this motherfucker seems to have everybody shaking in their boots at all times. If I were to make an assessment based on who's getting more out of what they have to work with, uh, Vladimir Putin. Yeah, very easily Vladimir Putin. Other than an aging nuclear arsenal, this man has absolutely nothing to offer the world other than fucking cyber attacks and, and bond villainry. And yet this guy's got everyone chasing their tails because he's so evil and he's so powerful. And it's like, you know, the, the, the guy is nothing. We, if we stop paying attention to him, he would wither away and die. I guess he is like Trump in that respect to a certain degree. But at the end of the day, Joe Biden, was an absolute embarrassment at the the G7. Again, I don't care what the G7 thinks about him, but if you're an American and you're watching this and you're not ashamed and you thought Donald Trump was a disaster, but you're totally okay with this, congratulations. It is a miracle that you are basically able to function on a daily basis because your IQ is so low, it would indicate that you are incapable of walking, talking, or tying your shoes, nevertheless achieving all three in a given day. It's embarrassing. This guy is an embarrassment. He was always an embarrassment. The fact that you people thought that, not you people, not my people, but the people that voted for this ass clown thought that he was an, a better alternative than Donald Trump because at least we won't get mean tweets. Yeah, well, great. Now you've got the world laughing at us. You've got a fucking unemployment epidemic because we're paying people to stay home. You've got rising inflation, businesses closing, still mask COVIDiacy going on all over the place. It, it's, it's just nothing is good. Nothing is better than it was a year ago, even. <laughs> at least a year ago, we were all kind of going, oh, all right, well, we don't really know. So, I mean, it's kind of kind of makes sense to just at least be cautious. We know a lot more now when we're still doing the same stupid shit we've been doing for 15 months now. It's time to hang it up. It's time to let go of all of this. It's time for everybody to go back to normal, not the new normal, the goddamn normal normal, before useless sack of potatoes became president, before... You know, all of this fucking mask hysteria before the anointment and the, the the beatifying of fucking Anthony Fauci. We need to just go back to a time, a simpler time, when there was a bad orange man who said some mean things on Twitter every so often. And that was the worst thing that could happen on a given day. All right. So we just got Joe Biden. Um, this this closing segment here, the, the general theme is the best and brightest, right? This is the best and the brightest that the Democrats have to offer. This is the guy that they elected president, Joe Biden, U President Eustace Sack of Potatoes, that guy. 
And here's another one of their galaxy brain thought leaders, Henry Rogers, or as you may know him, Ibram X. Kendi. I thought his middle name was Max. Silly me, I should have known it was an X. Well, here's X getting accidentally burned by one of his paying customers because he doesn't have a simple answer to the simplest question of all when it comes to racism, which is supposed to be his field of expertise. This man has written eight books on racism, made millions of dollars in the process, all while telling you that it is so horrible for black people in America. It's a really, really weird sort of irony that only Democrats understand and appreciate, but hey, here we are. Here is uh, X, if we will, um, answering a question from one of the audience members at one of his speeches. You talked about the importance of defining racism, but I, but I, unless I missed it, which is possible, I don't, I didn't hear your personal definition. Is there, is there one that you would offer us? Like, how do you define racism? Sure. So racism, I would define it um, as a collection uh, of racist policies that lead to racial inequity that are substantiated by racist ideas. <laughs> Sure, a, a collection uh, of racist policies that lead to racial inequity that are substantiated by racist ideas. So just so we're clear, I left the clip long there because he defined it twice. He defined it once. Somebody said, can you repeat that? Probably because they want to get it tattooed on their forehead. And they were writing it down. He repeated it. So you heard the definition there twice. The definition of racism according to expert in racism, Ibram X. Kendi, is a collection of racist ideas propagated by a set of racist beliefs that results in racist outcomes. That's a, It's a little bit of a paraphrase, but notice how he used the word racist three times to define the word racist. Yeah, that's the true sign of somebody who doesn't know what a word means, is using the word in the definition. So let's let's take a step back. Let's assume that X meant what he meant, and he really thought this out. So racism is a, is a series of racist policies. Well, now he's talking about government. Now he's talking about what I thought was systemic racism, which is weird. Because I'm told I'm racist, and last I checked, I'm not a system. I don't have policies. I don't have the ability to implement policies other than maybe voting for people. Maybe that's what he means. But it sounds like by his definition of racism, which is racist stuff being racist resulting in racist things, is that no particular individual could ever be racist. And thus, of course, they were in a position of power in the government implementing racist policies based on racist ideas with the idea of implementing racist outcomes. So racism, racism, racism equals racist stuff. Racism, race, rap. That's, that's it. That's where we're at right now. That's, that's their thought leader on race, Ibram X. Kendi, unable to define the word that he is supposedly an expert in the entire ideology around that word. Wow. This is, this is, it's reaching new lows even for the Democrats, which is pretty hard because, you know, they had slaves and shit. So let's move on to Brian Stelter. This is a little bit of an older one. This happened like just after the last show I did for you guys, but I, 
it was worthy of putting in here because again, this is this is the best and the brightest. Joe Biden, Ibram X. Kendi, Brian Stelter. These are their thought leaders, their president, the guy on their news network, the guy writing the books about racism. These are the people that the, that the Democrats are dumping their time and their money into. So I think it's important that we hear what they have to say. Here's Brian Stelter on his show, Reliable Sources, I, uh, astonishingly not ironically named Reliable Sources with Brian Stelter, and he's got Ginger Goebbels, Jen Psaki, the lesser press secretary in the last couple of years. She is there, and Brian Stelter, instead of you know doing what a journalist would do and asking maybe some hard questions about some of the inner workings over at the White House, well, there's this. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Thank you, sir. May I have another? I know you're thinking to yourself, isn't Jen Psaki a ma'am? How dare you assume her gender? But nevertheless, okay, here's the actual clip here. This is Brian Stelter with Jen Psaki on CNN. He's a reliable source, mind you. Here's the question he has to ask. Busy summer ahead, infrastructure, election reform. What does the press get wrong when covering Biden's agenda? When you watch the news, when you read the news, what do you think we get wrong? How can we please you, Jen Psaki? How, how can I possibly do a better job of propagating your message on your behalf? Because, you know, I'm in the press. It's not our job to keep track of and accountability for our government officials. No, no, no. We're supposed to just push their narrative because there's a Democrat in the White House. So obviously we're not allowed to look into anything, ask any serious questions in any way, shape, or form. How can we please you? Do you prefer to have your asshole licked? Do you prefer to have your clit licked? Like, what what can I do as Brian Stelter to please you? <laughs> I'm kidding. Brian Stelter's never eaten pussy before. Um, but... <laughs> The very thought of it is actually hilarious. I'm not laughing at my own joke. I'm laughing at my own mental image, which is disturbing but hilarious. So, yeah, this is our media, our lapdog media. Oh, Jen, how could we do a better job for you? You're up there doing God's work. How can, oh, wait, we don't believe in God. You're up there doing Fauci's work. How can we possibly help you in this endeavor? It's disgusting. These people are fucking disgusting. The fact that anyone watches this shit is even more disgusting. The fact that it comes across my Twitter feed is frightening enough, to be perfectly frank with you. All right, so I'm going to take a step back from the best and brightest to give you their worst and dumbest, uh, or worst and dullest. Either works, I guess, in this particular case. From the ninth circle of internet hell, well, lies this gem of a human being. Tiffany, your floor. Hi, my name is Tiffany, and I am a former fetus. On behalf of all fetuses, I would just like to say, please abort us. We don't want to be here. Like, do you know how traumatic life is? I have to pay bills. I have to work 40 plus hours every single week. I have to text people back. I have to feed myself and I don't live with my mom anymore. So it's like, it's not even free food anymore. I have to pay for it. I have to wash my hair to style it I have to pay for somebody to fucking color it and do all this fucking shit to it it's so expensive i hate it here genuinely like my mom had me without my consent and if i could fucking sue her for it i would so think twice i don't want to be here 
I watched that several times trying to figure out whether or not that was like a joke, a parody, a sketch of some sort. Nah. Tiffany's dead ass serious, which is really weird. Now, obviously, listen, folks, if you're having any suicidal ideations, like certainly reach out, not to me, I'm like the last person that's going to be of any actual help to you, but to, to somebody who actually can provide you help, I don't like to joke about this sort of stuff, but this bitch is aware she doesn't have to live another day, right? Like no one, no one is forcing her to live another day. Like there's nothing a handful of fucking pain pills wouldn't solve. Uh, this woman, seriously, please abort us. Bitch, speak for yourself. I'm doing just fine. Like, I, my mom didn't have me with my consent, but I'm doing just fucking fine and dandy, and I've never, you know, been happier about it. So, um, this is silly. These people are real. They exist. They think that, you know, if you have the nerve to bring a child into this awful, awful world, you're a monster. But they're in there, you know, trying to murder babies before they even get a breath of actual oxygen. And they're saints for some reason. Again, this woman is under no obligation. Tiffany, if you're listening, forget everything I just said about the suicidal ideations. You just take the pain pills, okay? Take a lot of them. Take a bath. Bring a toaster. Like, whatever you got to do, like, I don't want you to be living in misery another second. Personally, I think you should probably end it. So, um, not going from a uh, from a particularly uplifting note to the final segment here. And this is the last thing I'm going to leave you with. I teased it at the beginning of the show. Yours truly, Mr. Harrison Bergeron. I think I made an impact on a, on a local election, a really big statewide New Jersey election. It's a small impact, but an impact and possibly even a measurable impact nonetheless. So long story short, I live in the hellscape known as New Jersey. Our current governor is Phil Murphy. Phil has been one of the worst, most ridiculously blue governors. You know, he's right up there with the Cuomos. As, as a matter of fact, he's worse than Cuomo in some respects because Cuomo's an idiot. Everyone knows he's an idiot. But Phil Murphy does everything Cuomo does like three days after Cuomo does it. So he takes the stupid, sees how stupid it is, and then just is like, yeah, I'll take some of that too. And unfortunately, that's what it, you know, that, that trickles down to the 9 million residents of, of the former great state of New Jersey. I don't know when it was great, but it's been great at least at some point while I was alive because I'm here. That said, Jack Chatterelli is his opponent coming up in November for the governorship of the state of New Jersey. I had, a, I had an opportunity recently to meet Jack personally. Um, a family member, without getting into too many details, a family member of mine had a client who was running an event for Jack, a fundraising event. They asked me if I wanted to go. They paid my way, and they sent me. So I went. I had an opportunity. It was a very, very small gathering, maybe 20 people at the absolute most. Everybody paid a pretty hefty sum, though, in order to go. So this was worth Jack's time. He showed up personally, and he chit-chatted with the room. You know, he kind of gave us his platform. He kind of gave us his strategy. Um, if you're in the great state of New Jersey or the once great state of New Jersey, and you're listening to the sound of my voice right now, please give Jack a look. I'm not saying go vote for him automatically, although I think you should, because by default, he's the better candidate. I think you should at least hear what the man has to say, including Democrats. What he told me or us rather at the meeting is that he's about three things, freedom, opportunity, and security. 
there was a there was a really funny Hispanic gentleman who was standing next to me at the rally or at the gathering, and I heard him go up to Jack and I heard him say, "Freedom, opportunity, security. I like that. You just take care of the first two. I got that third one." <laughs> and I thought that was fucking awesome because this dude was clearly strapped at home and was not worried about you know the government providing security for him or the government making health decisions for him or all that stuff. He's like, "I got the security part. You provide the freedom and the opportunity, and you are my guy." I thought that was great. Jack noticed yours truly as the only person in the room wearing a MAGA hat. Actually, I think I was wearing my Keep America Great hat because it's the one that I didn't buy off of Amazon. Um, I bought this. I bought the MAGA hat a long time ago on Amazon for like 12 bucks. I feel like a schmuck about it. I still wear it because I, I want people to see the hat, but I am also somewhat ashamed of it because it's like I, it's not the official one, but I'm like, who wants to drop 40 bucks on a hat when you already have a, prox- a facsimile? Neither here nor there. I was wearing my Keep America Great hat. I was the only one wearing a hat, nevertheless a Trump hat. There were plenty of people there that were Trump supporters, but not all of them, right? Uh, Jack Chatterelli is more of your mainstream establishment Republican type. So he was a uh, sort of anti-Trump at the beginning. He's now coming around. Some of that's political. Some of that I do actually think is genuine. I had a chance to talk to him. He looked me dead in the eye and he's like, look, the guy's policies worked. He just didn't always do things the way I would do them. And I said, Jack, if that's the case, man, then we're good. Like I, I'm... I like Trump as a person because I like all of the quirks that come along with the tweets and the shitting on the media and the shitting on the Democrats and the, and the, all the stuff. I love that stuff, but I know that's not for everybody. And and I think most people understand at the end of the day that the man's policies worked. It's just they were implemented in such an unorthodox fashion. It just it rubs some people the wrong way. Fair. I told Jack in the short opportunity I had to talk to him, I told him two things. I told him one your shtick needs to be, I'm not Trump, but, meaning, I'm not Trump, I'm not loud, I'm not obnoxious, I'm not orange, I'm not, you know, what whatever you want to label Trump as, whatever you think you can pinpoint about Trump's personality that isn't going to piss off people like myself who are Trump supporters. We all understand there's quirks there. You got to finesse that a little bit and say, look, I'm not this guy. I'm a different man. But the policies this guy implemented work. Here's the ones I want to use. Here's the ones I want to expand upon. Here are the things that the Democrats are doing currently that I want to get rid of. That's like the point because that's how you win the Republican base. That's how you win the Trump supporters and the establishment guys and maybe the right-leaning independents. That's how you scoop them up. But how do you get the Democrats? How do you get some of the Democrats in one of the bluest states in, in the country? Here's how. And I told him, I said, Jack, I, I, this, is, this is the one thing. I, I knew I was only going to have a limited amount of time to talk to him. So in addition to everything, I just told him this was the point I wanted to drive home. And I tried to condense it down for him as quickly as I possibly could so that it would stick in his head. I think it worked. I said, Jack, I did my research on you. you know, I'm very politically savvy. I love this shit probably too much. I did my research. You're my guy because you're not Phil Murphy. How much can I back a guy like you? I needed to know what you believed in. And I need to know what you're standing for, what you're fighting for. And I told myself if, if, you know, if it was something that I could feel comfortable fighting for too, I'll fight as hard as I can to get you into this office. I will do everything I can. I will donate. I will give my time. I will talk about you on my podcast. I will do what I can do. I will tweet like mad. And I will be tweeting a lot about at Jack for NJ 
in the foreseeable future. But you have one thing you need to drive home because this will win you the Republicans. This will win you most of the independents. And this will even get you some of the sane Democrats if there are any. If there aren't any, you don't have a chance of winning anyway, frankly, because this is New Jersey. And it's like a two to one split as far as Democrats to Republicans, at least as far as the voting population tends to go for these state elections. When I was doing my research on Jack, he said one thing in particular. Phil Murphy wants to turn New Jersey into California, and I'm not going to let that happen. And I told him when Phil took office, I'm not calling him Governor Murphy, fuck him, his name is Phil. When I when Phil took office, he came in and said, we want to be the California of the East Coast. And I looked around and said, who the fuck is we? Who, who, who wants to be California, period? I certainly don't want to be the California of the East Coast. I feel like that could only be worse out here somehow. And I said to Jack, I was like, if you drive that point home, you got this. You will win this election. Well, I thought it, you know, might probably just win in one year without the other, whatever the case may be. Well, my lovely girlfriend sends me a text message the other day and she says, oh my God, babe, Jack listened. And I said, what are you talking about? She sends me this tweet. The following tweet says, and I quote, at Gov Murphy, we're not California, nor do we want to be. Time to show some leadership and join me in denouncing the extremist and dangerous proposal by New Jersey Representative Bonnie to eliminate all federal pen penalties for the possession of illegal drugs, including cocaine, heroin, and fentanyl. Not particularly my stance, necessarily. I kind of agree with Phil Murphy on that. I kind of think that we should eliminate penalties for drug possessions. I don't know that it necessarily needs to go all the way up to heroin and fentanyl. I, I, I might draw a line there. Cocaine? I might be a little biased there. That's neither here nor there. I had a good time in college. So the point here is that Jack is driving the we're not California message. And my girlfriend, to her credit, the savvy lady that she is, she noticed that if you look at Jack's Twitter feed, that tweet got at least twice the engagement as all the other tweets in his timeline for that week, basically. So that is the point. That is is the message. That's the one that's driving people to like his tweets and share his tweets and 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 are driving people to maybe give Jack a look that, that maybe otherwise wouldn't give Jack a look. Or at the very least, maybe maybe people making people who were thinking about voting for Phil Murphy, maybe they're a little skeptical about it now. Maybe they don't show up. Maybe they're not as avid of Phil Murphy supporter as they used to be. Because yeah, no, I don't want to be California. And I, I really believe that Jack who uh, I think he's a good guy. I don't think he's, you know, he's not the super proist MAGA guy in the world, but like I said, he believes that all the majority of Trump's policies work. If he wins, he will instate a voter law very similar to the one in Georgia that was called Jim Crow 2.0 and all that sort of stuff. He gets it, at least from the rhetoric. It's really hard to get a read on these guys because they're always working, but uh, I, I really tried to kind of put him in a situation where I could get a genuine reaction out of him. And I definitely did, because when I first saw him, he said, oh, I've met you before. And I go, no, you haven't, because he was trying to work me. Oh, I remember this kid with the MAGA hat. No, you don't, because you've never met me before. It was nice. He, he made an attempt. And I'm sure nine times out of ten, somebody just goes, oh, yeah, yeah, we met, you know, like a little while back or whatever at a rally. You know, they just they just play play. They play along because they, they want him to think that that he knows them and that they're a bigger deal than they actually are. Not me. I don't give a fuck. Uh, I just straight up called him out. I was like, nope, no, we've ne we've definitely never met. 
Um, he does look extraordinarily like ex-Mets manager Bobby Valentine, though. And uh, there was a little bit of like, I, I recognize this guy. It wasn't until after the event that somebody I know uh, who's a huge Mets fan told me, like, doesn't he look like Bobby Valentine? I'm like, fuck. Yes, he does. Nevertheless, so this is my impact. This is this is what I think I'd happen to do here is that I told Jack, look, man, you drive home the we're not California. We don't want to be message. And I think you got a real shot at this. And what did he do? Basically, less than a week after I talked to him, he went right to Twitter. He tweeted at Phil Murphy. We're not California nor do we want to be. I'm not saying I made it happen, but I'm saying I made it happen. And I'm going to put the link to the tweet in the show notes for you. If you don't mind, even if you're not a resident of the state of New Jersey, give that some bitch a like and a retweet and let Jack know that he's on to something here because I think, I think this is the message that will help him win. I, I had a much larger, longer theme that I was going to give him, but I knew I was only going to have like a minute so I spent a month on the buildup to this meeting thinking about what I'm going to say to him. If you have 30 seconds with the f- potential future governor in New Jersey, what are you going to tell him, Harrison? I came up with it. I told him, and it looks like Jack agrees, and it more importantly looks like Jack's voters agree. So there you have it. Again, I'm going to put in whatever I can do. Tweets, time, I'll, fuck, I'll go knock on doors if I think it's, it's something that would work. Uh, I live in Essex County. It's not necessarily a super red county here in New Jersey. I also grew up in Morris, which is like a stone's throw from where I live. That actually is a fairly red county. If I can help Jack, I'm going to help Jack. And to Donald Trump's credit and to Chris Christie's credit, they've both reached out to Jack as well, knowing how important this fight is. And they both said that if, if Jack thinks that they can help, they are willing to help. So... They got You got Chris Christie, Donald Trump, and Harrison Bergeron, Jack. We are all behind you, brother. Godspeed. You will be hearing more from me about Jack, I'm sure. I'm trying not to bore you with the local politics, but this was really cool for me. I got to meet a guy who could potentially be the governor of the state. It's not a high likelihood, but I think he's got a good strategy. I think he's got a good message, and I think, you know, as far as politicians go, he's got a decent head on his shoulders, and he's actually got a heart in his chest, which is more than I could say for most of them. Um, Jack wants to take care of the elderly, wants to take care of the kids, you know, our most vulnerable. He wants to get rid of the mask mandates at school. God bless him for that alone. There, there are some things that could happen here. And look, like I said, New Jersey is an extraordinarily blue state, but there has not been a democratic governor that has gone back to back in almost a hundred years in New Jersey. So this spot is ripe for the picking. Jack is the guy. He's 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 the Republican nominee. So if you don't want Phil Murphy and you live in New Jersey, Jack's your dude. Give him a look at Jack4NJ on Twitter. And I believe it's Jack4NJ.com. You can check him out there as well. Donate, do all that good stuff. If you happen to shoot a message to him, let him know Harrison Bergeron sent you. Uh, he won't know what that is, who that is, because I met him under my uh, my government name. But uh, nevertheless, uh, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for Jack, man. And like I said, I'm going to try not to bore you guys to tears with the local politics stuff too much. But uh, this is an important one. Phil Murphy, he's every bit as bad as Cuomo and Whitmer and Wolf and all of these and, and Newsom. He doesn't get quite as much press because, let's face it, most of the country doesn't give a fuck about New Jersey. And I can't say I blame you. Really, I honestly can't. So uh, let's go, Jack. Fuck Phil Murphy. And you, my beautiful, beautiful people, thank you, as always, for tuning in to The Right Opinion. Be sure to follow this fine podcast on social mediums. Media. Mediums. 
They are mediums, but it would be media because it's a plural. Nevertheless, media. Find me on social media at it's uh, on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Parlor at Right Opinion Pod. All one word, no spaces, no underscores, none of that garbage. Uh, you can also find me. More importantly, most importantly, at rightopinionpod.substack.com. You can get the articles, you can get the podcasts, all that good stuff there. Also, check out hamimediagroup.podbean.com for a variety of shows, wrestling and pop culture and politics and all sorts of good stuff over there. And ratsaladreview.com for all things rock and heavy metal. And sure enough, they squeezed in a little time slot for your boy. Uh, Shout-outs to Wayne again. Wayne just put out a new album by the way, uh, Wayne is a, is a rocker. He used to do music more regularly. He kind of came out of semi-retirement recently. So go to ratsaladreview.com. I'm sure he's got all the information up about it there. Uh, I haven't gotten a chance to listen to all of it, but I've gotten through a few tracks. Definitely worth the listen. It was definitely, most certainly worth the couple shekels I had to send his way in order for him to not only send me a copy of the CD, but a nice handwritten, albeit photocopied note um, from <laughs> just busting your balls. Wayne. I appreciate the shit out of it. Uh, he actually addressed it uh, to me, Harrison Bergeron, all that good stuff. It was great. It was really cool to get and uh, always happy to not only support small independent artist but to support a friend wayne's the man he's been listening to the right opinion since before it was the right opinion for those of you who know what i'm talking about you know what i'm talking about that said my beautiful people it is that time again to remind you opinions are like assholes everybody's got one but this asshole has the right opinion you can only get it right here on the right opinion talk to you next time Peace. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Be the, the elephant, elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Boom. Boom.